Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you're new or visiting with us, I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor here, and I am back from family leave. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm clapping for you all. My wife and I had our third son born about four weeks ago yesterday. So we're tired. My wife the other day, Emily, she showed me this bit from the comedian Seth Meyers where he says, if you really want to relax, you need to go make friends with people who have three kids. And it's so true. My capacity for chaos has been just grown exponentially in the last month. Like, two of you could get up and start dancing in the middle of the sermon in the back. I won't even notice. Everybody else will, so please don't do that if you're sitting in the back. But, yeah, so it's fun times, it's good times, but we are tired. Right now, we're beginning a new sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke between now and uh, the beginning of June, really, looking at this Gospel exclusively. And the title of the sermon series is Today. And that's because this is a key word in the Gospel of Luke. It's meant to signify a couple of things. One is, it's a word that when Jesus uses it, it signifies the immediacy of the salvation that he is bringing. It begins today, in that moment when you first encounter Jesus. And when he's on the scene walking around in his earthly ministry, salvation begins today, right then. And it also signifies for us, the readers of this, thousands of years later, whenever we read that word today, it signifies the immediacy for us in this moment, that today is the day you are experiencing Christ as well. So, that's why the sermon series is entitled today. It's going to be three weeks looking at three passages that have that word in it, that signify something important in that. And I have to note, because Sally Thompson, our office manager, made sure that I noted this. You may have noticed that the sermon title for today and the series is, is titled today. Uh, that was me. That's not a typo. I insisted on doing that. Sally said it was a bad idea that I should have two titles. I said I'm too tired to think of anything else. So we threw that out there. I told her it was like when, per when Prince did Purple Rain, the album and the song, and she said, well, then dress like Prince, and I declined. <laughs> but that's what's going on there. It was not Sally's fault, and she wanted everybody to know that. We're going to begin this sermon series, though, by looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. And this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in the Gospel of Luke. Scripture says this. When Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? 
He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God. Please pray with me. Lord, We thank you that right now in this moment, you are speaking to us. We thank you that today we can hear your words, we can hear your message, and we can respond. So we ask that you speak to us. Help us to understand what it was you were saying on that day so long ago when your ministry began in Nazareth. Help us to understand what that means for us today, Lord. Speak to us. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So one thing that I've noticed when it comes to Christianity in the United States, it might be in other countries as well, but we live here, so I notice it more here, is that in the last few years, it seems like this strand of Christianity has has grown, this emphasis in Christian faith in the United States has grown where it seems like offending people is almost the point of being a Christian. That the goal is to just offend people. And that if you're not offending people, then you're not really speaking truth or you're not really being faithful. And that offending people is the actual goal. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the last few years, it seems like it's become more and more important. That there's a feeling that if you aren't offending someone, then you're not really being faithful. I want to say that I don't think that that's true. I think that actually misses the point. And the goal of the gospel is not just to offend people for the sake of offending them. Yes, there are times in which following Jesus will create offense. Paul says the cross is an offense to the world. There are moments in which we will offend others. But the reason that you offend people, it actually matters. The goal is never just to offend people. And I think what can be helpful is to look at a moment when Jesus offended people which is what happens here in this passage. If you were tracking along, you saw that there was a pretty dramatic shift from people praising Jesus to them wanting to throw him off a cliff. I mean, this is Jesus's first public speech and it does not go very well. I think what's funny though, a little bit of an aside here, I've wondered just how exactly did this play out? They take Jesus up onto this cliff Presumably, his back's to the cliff, and they want to throw him off, and then we're told that he just passes right through their midst. Is this like ghost Jesus? Does he dematerialize? How does he escape them on this day? We don't know. Luke doesn't really tell us, and it's one of those mysteries that we'll just have to ask Jesus someday. How did you escape? But he offended them that day. But I think the reason is important. I think it's also important because this is how Luke is trying to introduce us to Jesus. One of the things over the last few years as we go through these gospels that I've tried to teach you all 
is that if you want to summarize how that gospel is presenting Jesus to you, go and look at Jesus's first public act or his first public speech. That's gonna be the thesis statement of who Jesus is in that gospel. In the gospel of Matthew, what's the first public thing Jesus does? He goes up on a hill and he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, teaching them about the law of Moses. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is the teacher of the law extraordinaire. He's the one who understands the law better than anybody else who has the authority to interpret it for everybody. In the gospel of Mark, what's the first public thing Jesus does? He casts out an unclean spirit. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus is an exorcist, a healer who is going around casting the forces of evil out of this world, putting them in their place. In the gospel of John, what's the first public thing Jesus does? He turns water into wine. He's turning old things into new. He's making abundance where there was scarcity. That's who he is in the Gospel of John. And here in the Gospel of Luke, we have this story of Jesus going to his hometown and making everybody so mad they want to throw him off a cliff. But why is everyone so mad here? What is it that makes them so angry? I think you have to look closely at the story. You have to unpack it a little bit to understand it because it is a very dramatic shift. And if you're not familiar with some of the background, you could misunderstand why Jesus upset everybody, why it seems he intentionally upset everybody. So in this story, here's the way that this plays out. I'm just gonna recap it here and give a little notes here and there. Jesus goes to his hometown. He's in the synagogue and he stands up to read and he's handed a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. And he reads this passage from Isaiah. One interesting note about this passage, though, is that it's not actually one passage. If you look at the quotation here in Luke and you go and look at Isaiah, it's been altered. It's actually two different passages that were put together. And one line was taken out of them. There's a line in the prophet Isaiah about how the wrath of God has come. And Jesus decides not to quote that part of it. And I'm not sure what to make of that, but it is an interesting note. But Jesus quotes this passage, and this passage had been associated with the Messiah at this point. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That line has been associated with the Messiah. When Jesus writes this and says that it's been fulfilled today, right then, he is claiming the mantle of the Messiah. And not only that, but he's really laying out what his purpose is going to be to bring good news to the poor. That's how he understands his mission as the Messiah. That's what Jesus is going to spend his time doing. And really in the gospel of Luke from this point on, everything else is a commentary on that. It's explaining how Jesus goes about that. This sets Jesus on the path towards being the Messiah, lets you know how he is going to fulfill it, to bring good news to the poor. Everything's going well to this point. I mean, you can actually sense the crowd is getting somewhat excited. One of their own is claiming to be the Messiah. One of their own is standing up and reading this passage and claiming it here in his hometown. And they ask that question, is not this Joseph's son? They're claiming him as their own. They're excited because they're going to receive the benefits of the Messiah He's going to take care of them. That's their response here. We know that that's what's happening because that's what Jesus responds to. 
when he says this thing about, surely you will quote to me, doctor, cure yourself. That was a famous saying in the ancient world. And what it meant was take care of your own. Doctor, take care of the people closest to you. Whoever it was, take care of the people closest to you. A doctor should cure himself in the way a Messiah should take care of his hometown. That's what they're saying. So Jesus picks up on what it is they're saying. They're claiming him as their own. He's one of them. They're going to receive the benefits. They're getting excited about this. Doctor, cure yourself. And then they also say this thing about, or Jesus says, you're going to say to me, do all the things here that you did in Capernaum. We want to see it all. Bless us. Bless us. That's the sense of what's happening here. And then Jesus shuts them down entirely. And this is where they get upset. This is why they get offended. This is why they get so angry that they want to throw him off a cliff. Jesus reminds them that in the time of the prophet Elijah, in Israel, there were many widows during a famine. And yet Elijah was sent to the widow at Zarephath. Why is that important? Because she's a Gentile. Gentile is a word for essentially an outsider, for anyone who wasn't Jewish. God sent the prophet not to the people in Israel, but to an outsider. That's who received the benefits of God during that famine. And then to hammer the point home, Jesus brings up another story from the prophet Elisha. There were many lepers in the time of Elisha in Israel. And yet it was Naaman the Syrian who was cleansed. Again, another outsider. Another Gentile. Somebody who shouldn't receive the blessings of God before the people of God. Someone who shouldn't receive all the benefits of the prophet. That's who God sent the prophets to. And in that moment... Jesus is saying, that's who the Messiah is sent to. That's who I'm going to go to. He's telling the people in his hometown, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about all those other people in the world. Whatever blessings you have received, they're for the benefit of those outsiders, of those Gentiles. They ask the question, is not this Joseph's son? Isn't he one of ours? And Jesus responds by basically saying, no. We have to ask that question, is Jesus actually Joseph's son as well? The Gospel of Luke has made this clear to us, actually. Go back and read the Gospel of Luke. You realize that in a very literal sense, the way Luke presents Jesus, Jesus is not Joseph's son. He's the son of God. Read the genealogy. It ends with him being the son of God. The virgin birth makes it clear. Jesus is the son of God. The crowd has missed the point this day. They've misunderstood who Jesus actually is as Messiah, what he is going to do. He's not Joseph's son. He's God's son, which means Nazareth isn't actually his father's hometown. The entire world is his father's hometown. And God cares for even these outsiders, especially these outsiders, these people on the outskirts. Jesus uses this beginning of his ministry to set the expectations for his hometown, letting them know it's actually not about you. I'm here to bless the rest of the world, and you are supposed to also. That's what sets them off. That's what makes them so angry 
and so upset. That's why they want to throw him off this cliff. But I don't know if we actually capture just how offensive what Jesus said was. I think we have to dig a little deeper in the Gospel of Luke and go back to that passage in Isaiah. Remember, Jesus said, he quoted this passage, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. That's how he defines his ministry as the Messiah. But who exactly is the poor? It's a question I think we all need to ask and think a little deeper about. We say that word poor, and we think just people who don't have money. But there's a, actually a Greek word here that's behind that word poor. Poor is just one way it's translated. And Joel Green, a scholar who focuses on Luke, who I rely on a lot, he points out that poor doesn't actually mean just people who don't have money in the Gospel of Luke. The best way to understand exactly who Jesus is talking about here is to look at some lists that show up in the Gospel of Luke. And they'll have the word for poor in those lists. And they'll look at the other words that are in the list, and you get a sense of who exactly is being talked about here. So we're going to fly through these lists real quick here. One of them, though, it says that the list is basically the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed. Another list later in the Gospel of Luke has the poor, the hungry, the mournful, the persecuted. Yet another one has the blind, the lame, the leper, deaf, dead, poor. Another one says poor, maimed, lame, blind. Yet another one, poor, maimed, blind, lame. Different order, same ones there. And then a final one says poor, ulcerated, hungry. That's who Jesus sees his mission for. That's who he's been sent to connect with. That's who he's been sent to bless. That's who he is going to benefit. That's who Jesus is the Messiah for. It's not for the people in his hometown. And why this would be even more offensive is those lists that I just mentioned, all of those people would have been viewed as sinners. If you had that type of an ailment, if you were in poor conditions in the ancient world, it was thought it was because you were a sinner. You had done something wrong. That's who Jesus is going to. And throughout the Gospel of Luke, that's who Jesus spends his time with. So it's not just that he's going to go to the people who don't have money. Jesus is saying to his hometown, I've been sent to the people you despise. I've been sent to the people that you look down on, the people that you think are ruining everything. That's who I've been sent to go and preach good news to. That's who the gospel is for. I think you can start to understand a little bit why they got so upset. Jesus is overturning everything about their understanding about who the Messiah was going to go and serve. That's why Jesus offended them that day. And that's what Jesus meant by preaching good news to the poor. So, Jesus' salvation, it arrives the moment you understand who Jesus was as Messiah. And part of the salvation that he brings is a reconnection into the community. All those people who are on the outside, he's going to do everything he can to bring them on the inside, 
to reach out to them, to make sure that they're connected to God, to the people of God, that they have community. All of those people that he mentioned in those lists that I talked about, all of them would have been cut off from their communities. They would have been isolated. They would have been experiencing loneliness. And that's who Jesus is going to go and be the Messiah for. That's how he saw his mission. That's preaching good news to the poor. So I'll just say this. If you think offending people is central to being a Christian, well, offend people for the same reasons Jesus offended them. Offend people because you are loving those that have been despised by the rest of the world. Offend people because you're reaching out to those who are on the outskirts, who the rest of society has said aren't worth anything. The rest of society has said that they're ruining everything. Reach out to them. Love them. Preach good news to them. And offend people for that reason. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your sense of what it means to be the Messiah. We thank you that you were willing to offend your hometown for the sake of those who were hurting the most. That you were willing to offend the sensibilities of the people that you had grown up with. To love and care for those who had been pushed to the outskirts of society. Lord, you preached good news to the poor. Help us to go and do likewise. Help us to be so focused on those people that the world has abandoned that they understand who you are. Even in those moments when it might offend others, Lord. Help us to have such a caring and love for those the world has lost and forgotten. That this world can see who you are through us.
Like a ring of solid gold Like a vow that is tested Like a covenant of old 